This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, hello, and welcome to the world's best construction podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Bluebeam. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. Let's come to Luke first this week. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad at all, mate. Not bad at all. Uh, I was watching Married at First Sight UK the other week, right? And something that winds me up, which is a bit of a bang average show, to be honest, but, you know, the old missus. Like, why, sh- why, why are you watching that? Why are you watching that? It's just stuff to put on in the background, isn't it? You know, but <laughs> anyway, something that really, really winds me up is they will use skyline, like stock skyline footage of London. Yeah. And from one angle, it will be like from 2014. And then from a different angle, it's a video from like, 2018 and then one from 2022 and you can tell all there's buildings just missing constantly from the skyline because buildings have been built since then skyscrapers have been built since then and it winds me up fred it really winds me up and i tell i tell my missus every time i'm like 22 bishops gates missing from there yeah cupboard is missing from that what's going on (laughs) yeah you see things on a regular basis. I mean, I, it winds me up too, but I should say it's happened in B1M videos over the years as well. <laughs> Sometimes when you're trying to find a bit of stock from a pretty obscure city, you have to go yeah. back a couple of years. And I, yeah. I, it, it pains me, but I know what you mean, mate. I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, let me throw it to you though, mate. You okay? You good, Fred? Yeah, no, very good. Been a been a bit of a busy week, but we're all good. Uh, mm. Yeah, lots happening as usual. Lots of uh, preparation happening for our big end of year video. We've actually got a really good run of content coming up between now and the end Ooh. of the year which is going to be awesome. So, yeah, exciting times. How you doing, Liam? Guys, I'm good. I'm doing good. Doing good. I was just going to ask, are you guys really cold over there at the moment? I was looking at the uh, London weather, mate, and it's snowing this weekend. People Mm. talking to me about white Christmas. That won't happen, will it? Never happens. It's it's crisp. It's crisp, mate. It's like a packet of walkers, yeah? It's got pretty... (laughs) It's got pretty chilly, and I've got my jumper on. But it's like it's it's a blue, you know, clear blue sky day. So oh. it's nice to go out for a walk, and it's just when it's windy, it winds me up, mate. As well as incorrect skyline footage on reality <laughs> <laughs> TV shows. What Talking is it of, like? Uh, Forty degrees in Sydney at the moment. Oh yeah, like, it's lit. No, oh, mate, it? no, it's a bit. It's a bit cool. It's like I don't know, mid twenties, I suppose. It's a bit rainy at the moment um maths though mate i would not continue that my my partner had that on for like eight months and she she's trying to watch the uk one at the moment and i just said to her i don't know how to 
um, set up the VPN for her to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I was like, nah, I'm not doing. I mean, I work at night, and I'm like, I sometimes I work out there. And mate, we did the Aussie one, and it is just garbage. It is such garbage TV. It doesn't seem to go anywhere. I don't like they've. It's got to a point where there were a load of couples, and and they've just moved on from them. It's like right. Is that yeah. it? Mate, like, I, I, I say to her, I'm like, why don't you watch something interesting like the B1M? Just chuck yeah. Her, chuck a back-to-back <laughs> B1M special on. Keep you oh, busy for an hour. Now we're talking. Get well done, mate. Up. Bring it Did back, it. Liam. Good job. Mm. Good job. Mm. <laughs> well, Caroline's was uh, Emily in Paris. Oh, that was so bad. Oh, mate. That was the other one. Uh, Virgin River. That was rubbish. Oh, oh, mate. Virgin River is the worst thing to be put on TV. I came out the other day is and it, I said, "Is it Is it like comically rubbish?" Is that oh, the point, of it? mate? Just what? What is that? What is? I mean, at least when I was younger, I mean, it was like terrible shows, but you had like Dawson's Creek or whatever. You know what I mean? Shows like the OC, things like that, like massive shows. And then these, oh mate, yeah, don't get me started. I'm happy. I used to watch uh... nights. Put it that way. <laughs> Talking about shows, I used to watch the S Club Seven TV spin-off, Miami Seven. Sometimes used to be on TV. A bit of Neighbours. Sometimes at uni, we'd watch Neighbours, the same episode twice a day. (laughs) We'd watch it at lunchtime (laughs) and then again at tea time. Why? I don't know. Why would they put the same episode on twice a day? I don't understand that. Don't know. I I just remember (sighs) when I moved to the second one, like it was new, like it was a new thing. (laughs) Really? (laughs) What they used to do the same with with Scrubs, mate. Scrubs would be (laughs) on. All day, every day, or friends. I, I never understood that when I first moved over there. Yeah, friends and Shit's Creek. I can still just keep watching them over and over. Oh, I just yeah. find them hilarious. Yeah, Shit's mm. Creek's funny, man. It's one of the most well-written shows. Like literally, I always roar with laughter. It's the same jokes I've seen before. So good. <laughs> I just watch B1M videos on loop. That's all I do, <laughs> and Tomorrow's Build as well. Not I'm the like, podcast, though. Not I the. See- uh, Slightly nah. mediocre audio version of that hit YouTube channel you love. Yeah, no, nah, don't bother with that rubbish, mate. Don't bother <laughs> with that. <laughs> anyway, guys, talking of Skylines, we've got a banging little episode coming up for you today. We are talking about the secret rule keeping the Sydney skyline short. And then also in the news, we are going over to London's updated One Undershaft, also dubbed One Undershafted, such as the reaction to the terrible, terrible design update on London's tallest skyscraper. Second tallest skyscraper, I should say. Uh, and then, as ever, we're heading over to Saudi Arabia, where a new village-inspired airport designed by Foster and Partners has been announced. Also, we're going to be littering the whole thing with plenty of comments, banter, architecture and construction analysis, and some of your comments from the week. Let's do it. Let's get cracking. Let's go. First of this week, we're talking about the secret rule keeping Sydney short, a video that I filmed when I was down in Sydney a few weeks ago when the weather was nicer, the sun was shining, and I was hanging out with Liam, which was cool. So this is a video that came out on the B1M yesterday. Now, on the surface, Sydney has all the ingredients that should drive skyscraper construction, right? It's got the population, it's got the geography, it's got the economics. But despite all that, it doesn't have many skyscrapers, and the ones it does have aren't very tall. That's all because of this secret rule that's been keeping Sydney short for a long time, but that's now changing, and it could mean that we're at the very beginning of a new skyscraper renaissance for Down Under's most famous city. What do you guys make of this video? Hot takes, first off. 
First off, I cannot believe that there's been a height restriction on skyscrapers in Sydney. Hmm. That I that I'm, I'm pretty shocked at that. I reckon obviously it's a secret, but um, you know, I'd expect some people to know. So I've asked a couple of mates today, and uh, they're all in the same boat. They had no idea. And I've always I've always wondered, being in Sydney, why the buildings aren't taller, why mm. there aren't any massive skyscrapers. There you so go. About, you've no, had, no, your favorite YouTube channels answered it. Exactly. <laughs> You know, <laughs> especially when compared to Melbourne, you know, and they're like knocking out skyscrapers like it's a sport, aren't they? Like tall buildings, you know, they've 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 built loads of tall buildings in the yeah, recent decades, right? And, and as yeah. we as we say, like Sydney's got it's got the population, it's got the geography, it's got the economics. It's like it's the one of the biggest. I think New South Wales. Is obviously the the leading economy in Australia. I think it makes up thirty point six percent of the country's GDP. And mm. we say in the video, if you took New South Wales out of Australia and made it its own country, it would have the nineteenth largest GDP per capita in the world, ahead of Japan, France, and the UK. So it's a big economic booster. Then you've got the harbour, which again is the geography side of it. You've got the population; it's around five point two million people, I think. Now in cities like New York, where you've got uh, a small piece of land and water on all sides or hong kong same thing that forces people to drive upwards but it just hasn't happened in sydney and we do a lot of comparison in the video where we compare sydney's height to other skyscrapers the kind of classic b1m skyscraper comparison graphic comes back to life guys so i'm pretty pleased, pretty pleased to see that back it makes for some good watching um right now explaining why this happened right because i can feel you all itching to understand what is the secret rule how did it come about <laughs> Basically, at the start of the 20th century, so wind back to the 1910s, 1920s, the US was obviously reaching for the skies. It had this huge skyscraper boom. But Australia was just a bit more reluctant to embrace the skyscraper. So in 1912, they built this 14-story Culwalla... I see I've got it wrong already. The 14-story Culwalla Chambers building, um, which I went to go and see when I was there. It's a very... It is a tall building, but it's not. It's only 14 stories. It's now surrounded by other tallest stuff so it looks quite small but it's a beautiful and very well preserved little piece of history when they mm. built that in 1912 everyone panicked because they hadn't seen a building that tall before city authorities freaked out the fire department were like we're not going to be able to reach the upper floors if a fire strikes if something goes wrong here so they brought in this height of buildings act in the same year 1912 and that limited the construction of all new buildings to just 45 metres, or about 13 storeys tall. And that was in place until 1957. So think about that, right? Between 1912 and 1957, when New York City was building the Chrysler Building, the Empire State Building, you know, all these sort of things, Chicago was racing up as well, they capped their buildings at just 13 storeys. And what that did was force Sydney to expand outwards, because it couldn't go up. It had to grow outwards, and it geographically became larger than London, which which is a crazy fact. But actually, I can, having flown in and out of Sydney now, I can quite believe it because it's a pretty, pretty sprawling city. See, I, right? I did some research on that, Fred, because I was like, that can't be true. That cannot be true, right? The sprawling thing. I'm sure Sydney has got a lot of sprawl, right? But I think. In Australia, they measure their cities differently. That could be it. Yes. 
That's my, because apparently Sydney's much larger than London and New York. I was like, what? The, like, how big is that? <laughs> Does like, everyone in Australia live in Sydney and like, a couple people in Melbourne? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, good point. But yeah, I think it's to do with the measurements, but it's still like a, considering Sydney isn't, you know, medieval city, it's still relatively new compared to a lot of global you know, cities. That's a dig. You know how it? they measure it, Luke, what the difference is. It's something to do with the metropolitan area, right? So if London were measured in a similar way to Sydney, London would come all the way out to uh, the English Channel and to the, <laughs> basically <laughs> and to like Oxfordshire. Oxfordshire. <laughs> wow, what part yeah. of London's this Cornwall? But some, but some people, some people actually do want that. Some people, some authorities even do actually want London to be redrawn. They say it's like kind of outgrown its current model, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know which one's wrong or right. Because even with New York, you've got like New Jer- Jersey City, which you can see from like the World Trade Center. That's not New York City. No, it's re- it is really, isn't it? Do you know, Staten what I mean? Island is-, is New York City officially, but I wouldn't. It's not New York, New York. What would you? Well, what would you say is London, London for you? When does it become like London? I think uh, it's a hard one. See. I would have said I would have said anything in the M25. Oh, that's that's big. But wow. it's about right, mate. It's about right, isn't it? Like if the district line can take me all the way to Upminster, yeah. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but the home counties run in past the M25, and the London boroughs start inside that. Yeah, surely it's Zone Six and inwards. Well, it goes up to like Zone. Nine or something now. Yeah, yeah. Like if, sticks, you, if you're in the London borough of something and yeah. it's under the mayor, then effectively you are technically in London. Mate. For me, like London, London, proper London, is like zone four, three onwards when it's properly built up. Yeah, there's more buildings and fields. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, mm. but that is the ca- that is the case. I had this conversation with a mate who used to live in Rumford. And he's like, I'm from Essex. I go, no, you're not. You're not from Essex. Romford's not in Essex. Hasn't been in Essex since like the 1960s. Yeah, it's London. You can vote in the London mayoral elections. You've got transport for London. Yeah, you've got an underground. It, you, you know, you live in London. You don't live in Essex. Winds me up, Fred, again. So I live in Surrey and parts of the north of Surrey, the towns are all blending into one now. So the there's no fields between between them. It all Woken. just merges. Whereas where I live, there's still like there's you'll drive for 10, 15 minutes of open countryside between the towns, which is still quite right. nice. Right. I don't want that to change. I live in the green belt and I'm like, don't build on the green belt. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> how, <I'm an> <laughs> how long does it take to drive from one end of Sydney to the other, Liam? Ages, mate. You're talking eastern suburbs all the way west, so you'd be looking at Say Bondi all the way out past Penrith. Let me let me bring it up on Google, mate. Liam uh, did some driving when we were there, actually. In his little, did uh, yeah, in his very. Is swanky. he a good? Dri- is he a good driver? He is a good driver. Yeah, okay. not as aggressive as you'd think. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be. <laughs> what do you mean? It'd be all... what do you I got mean, in, mate? I got in and put my belt on straight away. I was like, oh god, here we go. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Very good. Very cautious. Hmm. 
firm but not aggressive. Sydney drivers are terrible. I'm going to say it. (laughs) Sydney drivers are terrible. They're so aggressive. They cut in front of you. No one indicates. I said when I when I drive into London, I do occasionally drive into London. When I drive into London, I might just become this. I have to become a London driver because you have to stand up for yourself. You have to defend yourself. Yeah, mate. Become a different person. (laughs) <laughs> Especially with that wild twenty mile an hour speed limit that's now applicable to everywhere in London. <laughs> like, you wouldn't get above oh. twenty in London. If yeah, you tried. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Look, it's, I think it, as, as someone that's not yeah. from, I'm not born and bred from Sydney or Australia, right? I'm just doing Bondi to Penrith. Penrith is super west. There might be somewhere else that's further west that's still considered Sydney. That's an hour, three minute drive. Wow. And that's going straight. You're not going... I mean, once you get through the... Well, I suppose you're going through this under the tunnels. It's pretty much straight driving. It's that is still, 80 that is kilometers. Still 80 kilometers. It's yeah. a big area. See, anyway, uh, yeah, but, Australia's massive. Yeah, go on, go on. By this go measure, on, we're saying that Sydney is geographically larger than London. Right. So between 1912 and 1957, they could only build buildings that were 45 meters or 13 stories tall that is nowhere near a skyscraper then in the 1970s they built the most 70s looking building ever which is uh technically the tallest tower in the southern hemisphere at the time the 305 meter center point tower which is that big stick in the middle of sydney with the gold rotating restaurant thing on top of it cracking views from up there Uh, i've been up there before anything you want to add about center point tower liam you've been there uh mate yeah i did i went there years ago like years and years ago. Oh, uh, yeah, it's all right. I mean, look, I probably I haven't gone back for a reason. It's pretty oh. ugly. <laughs> Things to see and do in Sydney. It's a bit <laughs> of an eyesore. <laughs> I, I could have this wrong, but I feel like there's a restaurant up there that rotates. I yeah. believe I believe there was, yeah. I think it says yeah. that in the video that it's something rotates. I don't mm-hmm. know if oh, yeah. there was a restaurant. It, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful viewing are, deck. Right? It's cool, cool mm. like view. Obviously, anything like that's amazing view on the city. But um, it's yeah, it's just a bit of an eyesore. What what do you think, Fred? It's not the most sexy looking building, is it? No, it does. It looks pretty dated now. It does catch your attention because it still stands out on the skyline. It's a very different looking building, and the view from it is great, especially because when you're up there, you can't see that tower. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's eye catching. It is a bit dated. It could do a little bit of a uh, a refurb. I don't think that's going to happen though, because. When this building was built, it wasn't technically a skyscraper, right? It, so it was able to sidestep the strict regulations that were capping buildings at a certain height. Now, the city fell in love with Centerpoint Tower. They were like, oh, we've got this new icon. It's on all the postcards. It looks really great alongside the Opera House and the bridge. At least it did in the 1970s. So they actually put new rules in place to protect that tower. So they then enacted a new law that said you weren't allowed to build anything taller than Centerpoint Tower, and that capped every skyscraper at 235 metres, which fast forward way into 21st century is still in place, and that is why most skyscrapers in Sydney only sit at 235 metres. The change that's happened came about in 2020 when the Crown Tower was built. Now, we've covered Crown Tower before on the B1M. It's actually a Bluebeam-sponsored video, and here we are again on a Bluebeam-sponsored podcast, which is fantastic. Uh, but we talked in that about how Bluebeam software was used to design and develop that that skyscraper. That is 270 meters tall, and it's funded by a casino with a height that exceeds Centerpoint Tower's observation deck. Now, it was able to kind of sidestep the rules by 
kind of we're not quite sure lobbying and influence uh, and there was a bit of frustration that deep pockets were able to override the rules and that did raise a few eyebrows but once that happened the seal was broken the rules were changed again uh, and now sydney can build up to 330 meters tall which is above that 300 meter threshold for the super tall category so the city's had this kind of like slow move towards building taller and it's now saying that it could build up to 330 meters now for context in london the shard is 309 meters that's our tallest skyscraper uh so you know sydney could do some catching up here if it wanted to and there are lots of things being put forward not many approved yet uh, but there's a few things popping up this new salesforce tower is a pretty big tower so that's up there mm. yeah that looks cool the uh 505 george street looks pretty cool as well it looks very dominating on the skyline from that render yeah mm. yeah it's nice I'll- I really like Crown Tower, sorry. Uh, no, I was about to say, I was about to say the same thing. Go on. It's a nice looking building. From the right yeah. angle, I found. Mm. Um, from well. the back, I, I was going to say, when you come in through <laughs> Darling Harbour, that side, uh, it looks nice. Not so good from the Opera House side, I would say. Mm. It's my little experience of Sydney. Well, it's an irregular shape, isn't it? You know, so, yeah, I... Uh... Uh, it, it looks good. The project looks really good. Why? So, again, remind me, Fred. Why was this allowed? What What was the reason for for the exception? Basically, they wanted. Or do this we not big, know? We don't really know. They wanted this big casino uh. built, right? This big casino tower, and then lo and behold, in and around that, the rules got changed. So yeah, yeah some something's gone on. <laughs> some influence has happened. Job creation was probably toted. Uh, but anyway, yeah. the good news is that Sky, uh, Sydney can now get a taller skyline. Now, some people might be freaking out thinking, hang on a minute, we quite like the skyline as it is. Is it going to ruin the city? It's obviously a very picturesque, very famous city to look at. You know, I've, I've now got a magnet on my fridge from Sydney Airport with that <laughs> the skyline, the bridge and the brows on it. Um, but I, I, the thing is, Sydney's doing some massive growing in the next few years, right? So they reckon the population is going to grow by 60 to 80 percent and reach 8 million people by 2050 2050 feels like a long way away but it's not the way by the way it's like an old man here the way the years are rolling by lately it feels like it could come up in about five minutes um and there was this government study that said if you raise skyscraper height limits that could create 2.9 million square meters of extra floor area which is around a 30% increase on the current capacity of the central business districts. So the economy's growing, the population's growing, the restrictions have gone. I think there is going to be this desire to get away from outward urban sprawl and come back into a denser transit-connected system. They're building lots of stuff at the minute on the transit side, which is great. They've got traffic problems which they need to address. Mm. Also, I don't know how much of it a factor is, but like, wildfires on the outskirts of sydney and stuff is that is that an issue liam or not am i uh yeah up in the blue mountains and things like that it's quite it's quite far out of the city i mean i suppose yeah down south yeah i mean because it's there's a lot of national parks surrounding sydney everywhere yeah. in sydney right and it's a lot of a lot of trees a lot of bush and things like that so they, they do get pretty close i when i came back from london for christmas here like probably like four years ago um i think i sent you the photos when we're at the beach and it was just orange like yeah. the sun was out, it was like 30 something degrees and like you, you could just sit on the beach and not really feel the sun on you, if that makes sense, because there was so much cloud and smoke. Um, wow. The sky was beautiful, but um, yeah, you, it's very noticeable. It gets pretty close for sure. 
gets hot, doesn't it? Gets hot. Does get hot, mate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, this is this is a situation I think a lot of global cities are finding themselves in, right? Like Fred, you mentioned about like Greenbelt area in the southeast of England, kind of trying to keep London sprawl at bay, and so when you do have a city that is growing rapidly in population, which London is, what's your solution? Because people keep coming. Yeah, people keep having families and children, right? The population's exploding. Well, you need to build up then, don't you? It's either out or up or maybe a mix of both. Yeah, it's and, it's not necessarily up. It's better density. It's a better well-planned urban density with yes. connected transport systems and the infrastructure like schools, hospitals, shops. I'm talking up here a bit about 15-minute cities, but I don't want to bring it up because it's kind of... It's kind oh, of don't say there. that, mate. Don't no, say that. It's been a big mixed use, mixed use development. Mixed use development. Yeah. 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 Like well, well-planned use of land. If you look at like aerial shots of LA sometimes, you've got these big detached houses with huge yards around them. It's very nice, but that's all you have, street after street mm. after street for hundreds of kilometres. And... That's that's huge urban sprawl. You know, each person's got a nice house, but they're living a very long way from the city centre, from public yeah. transit, and that puts pollution up, puts car use up. It damages the environment because the city spreads out further and further. You know, it's yeah. I think London's. I think the green belt needs to stay. Not not just because I live in it, but I think <laughs> <laughs> I think it should stay because it. The answer is not just to keep build, building London outwards. It's to better plan the density in the core and make more affordable housing available in the core as well. Not exclusively, but just remember that if we just push uh, affordability out and out and out, then we're going to have the soul of the city eroded, I think. Yes, I hear that. I hear that. There are some pretty cool um, developments and proposals for Sydney. Some of these skyscrapers look awesome. Do you have... A favourite, I think I know the answer to this, but do you guys have a favourite Sydney skyscraper? Or tall building, tall building, you know? Mine's mine's crown, mate. By is far. it? Yeah, really? the AMP building is okay. It's, it looks good. Fred's face. It's no one nice. asked you to come and diss my building. Just, just it, tell them I knew you were going to I knew you were going to say it, man. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, yeah. I, I, I don't. I'm not in love with Sydney skyline. I don't. I don't mm. think. I don't look at any of the skyscrapers like, wow, that is just fantastic to look at. Yeah, mm. Fred. I I've key caught out for me because it's it's fresh, it's different, it's it, it's eye catching. It reuses yeah. an existing building. It's sustainable. You go in it. It's got this really nice uh, connection with nature. There's nice light coming in. It stands out. Which no other building really does in that skyline. Sorry, Sydney. I don't <laughs> off know. The <laughs> off the Opera House, obviously. But the, uh, I, that's where I disagree for it. I don't think anything really stands out. Like, I, if, I, if I'm down at like Circular Key and I'm staring at the skyline, I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the height thing, and because the, they're all sort of similar height, yeah, and nothing really is like jumping out at you. Yeah, if that makes sense. Similar era as well, aren't they? A lot of them. Yeah, yeah. So they all blend in a little bit. Mine, mine is probably. Uh, a little tower called One Bly Street. <laughs> if I had to pick one, 
<laughs> that was all a setup for that, which is, by the way, named after one of my ancestors. I'll have you. Know, oh, here we go. Who was governor oh. of New South What's Wales? This whole question about which guys oh, you've, you've, you've mentioned this before, mate. Yeah. There you go. Oh, mate, Google a... William Bly. William Bly. That is oh, my yeah. great, like great, great grandpapa. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, isn't it? I did. Kind of looks I... like a prison, mate. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, let us know what you think about Sydney's skyline, these skyscraper rules that are changing. What is your favourite skyline? Sorry, sorry, favourite skyscraper in Sydney on the Sydney skyline? Get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. <laughs> So today's episode is sponsored by Bluebeam. Trusted by over 2.5 million professionals in over 160 countries, Bluebeam develops innovative technology solutions that set the standard for AECO project efficiency and digital collaboration. Bluebeam's desktop, mobile and cloud-based solutions are specially designed to improve communication and simplify processes across the entire project life cycle. The key to Bluebeam's success is a customer-focused approach to product developments, Bluebeam works with the industry to create solutions for the industry. Headquartered in Pasadena, California, Bluebeam has now expanded into additional offices throughout the US, UK, Germany, Sweden, and Australia, which we're talking about on this episode. Bluebeam is a proud member of the Nemeshek Group. You can discover what Bluebeam can do for you and your business and your skyline and your skyscraper by starting your free 30-day trial today over at bluebeam.com. That, that's it's still going guys it's an amazing trial we've heard about so many times on this podcast the 30 day free trial over at bluebeam.com go and get on it bluebeam was used on um crown tower cheeky little extra plug welcome oh. to the conversation is there an echo in here i said that like 20 minutes ago <laughs> did you yeah but no, I've, mentioned, I, I've mentioned i've mentioned on earlier podcasts as well you have yeah yeah you have so yeah, I, that, think, that, I think Liam said it first, actually, Fred. That, yeah, did he? Yeah, mm, yeah. Well, like six months ago. <laughs> that was back when you, when you, if you mentioned COVID in one of our videos, YouTube would flag it essentially, wouldn't they? <laughs> Which was very enjoyable. Fun times, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah how to build a skyscraper from home. So there mm. you go. That that big old skyscraper, that two hundred and seventy meter beauty on the Sydney skyline, was designed and built with Bluebeam largely remotely during the pandemic so yeah yeah get involved build a skyscraper in 30 days basically what i'm hearing mate yeah so. if you want to save yourself uh <laughs> the very very reasonable fee for blue beam <laughs> try and build a skyscraper in 30 <laughs> days <laughs> yeah like, guys get on it it's very good it's very good product it's a great company led by great people and 2.5 million professionals in 160 countries can't be wrong. Bluebeam is successful because it works, because it's got that customer-focused approach, and because it's enabled many, many projects around the world to succeed. Uh, so yeah, go and get on it. 30-day free trial over at bluebeam.com. Also in the news this week, we are swinging over to London, where updated designs have been released for one undershaft, which is uh, set to be the second tallest skyscraper in London, right? So it's narrowly shorter than the Shard. Shard is 309 metres. This is going to be 305 metres. This has been kicked around for a long time, right? It's called one undershaft, but the headlines kicking around that I want to publish at least uh, is one undershafted because they've somehow updated it 
and made it quite a lot worse. Mm. Um, bit of history for you. This was originally granted consent in 2016, uh, but the plans have now been revised ahead of a new planning submission expected to be made in early 2024. project would add some 117,000 square metres office space into the city of London. There's a lot of extra office space coming in. And it's got this podium and public garden projecting out from the 11th floor, which looks pretty cool if a little bit weird. Um, currently on the site is the 23-story uh, kind of Batman-looking all-black headquarters, which is currently occupied by Aviva. That's going to be taken down to make way for one undershaft. Uh, pretty unanimous feedback on this in the comments, but I know we've got to come to Mr. Luke Bly for, uh, for his feedback. Hot or not, Luke? It's not good enough. It is not good enough. The original design was decent, man. That kind of cross-bracing, the cladding was pretty decent. And it was it, it looked like a London tower. It looks like a London skyscraper. This just looks like it hasn't been refined. It's like it's a first draft, you know? <laughs> You've got kind of the boiled egg or the fried egg, sorry, at the bottom, which is a pretty, pretty you know, snazzy podium, but that's about it. After that, it looks like, you know, a warehouse building, like a warehouse apartment building that they're, they're, they're kind of constructing over in East London, you know, like Canning Town, <laughs> one of my favourite places in the world. But this isn't Canning Town. This is the city of London. This is the tallest building in the city's cluster. And it has a quote-unquote crown. It's not a crown. It's just some extra windows with slightly different coloured cladding. It's, I, I think it's really disrespectful to the area, to the skyline and to the flavour of this part of London. I like that it's not just all glass cladding, right? That's something that I really do admire about it. I like that they're maybe moving away from that. Other than that, mate, I, you know, I don't find much of this that redeeming. Yeah. Yeah, mate, it's pretty ugly, isn't it? It's a bit of a letdown. I'd love yeah. to um, ask any architects that are listening, um, do you ever take – so when, when something like this is done um, and they've un unveiled the new design, and, I mean, it's just our post, but I'm sure other posts on other architecture channels, platforms, things like that have done the same and likely get the same feedback. Do you take the feedback on? Because I'd say 99% of the – comments are negative everyone's just saying it's it, it looks terrible um and just sort of echoing what luke's saying i was mm. like do, do you guys take this on board is is it too late in the process because it i think it would be a shame if that was built in london yeah mostly the architecture in london is pretty pretty cool it's very original very unique very um fits in with that sort of london vibe if you know what i mean mm. Well I said, this is, mate. Well yeah, said. yeah, I think this is what the planning process is for, you know, because I think there's a danger designing by Instagram is obviously can be, can be a dangerous path to tread. But if you, because apparently this this update to the design is responding to feedback from the City of London. Now, I don't know what feedback that was, but it's almost like they've they've redesigned <laughs> this to try and get it in through planning approval. But I think this in public consultation, surely this is going to struggle because once again we've got a another bland nondescript large box appearing in the city of london like i agree with what luke said it's not good enough they want more floor space that's what they want and this provides more floor space you see how thick the bottom is mate like a lot of these angles 
they're showing the best angles of, you know, quote-unquote best. Still looks rubbish, in my opinion, but the best angles of it. The bottom is really wide, like really, really wide. So they've added on a lot of floor space. And by the way, on the west-facing side of the tower, so that is the angle that you cannot see in any of these renders, yeah, conveniently, it still has a backpack, yeah, which is architecture slang for oh that's where we're going to fit the uh the lifts the elevators yeah so it's not going to be just like a up box it's going to have an awkward extra bit just sh- like shoved onto the back of the building oh, where it's terrible it's, it's disgraceful mate it's re- it's it's really bad it's really bad yeah, yeah i'm not going to go backwards they really have gone backwards with this mm-hmm. it's probably going to get approved guessing guessing by the feedback from the See, London. I, I, I get public consultation is going to be rocky just based on uh, based on our Instagram comments. We've got Johnny saying, "Oh no, the original trellis is much better." Mm-hmm. Uh, some guy called Luke Bly saying, "This ain't it, lads." Thanks, <laughs> thanks <for> that, Luke. <laughs> um, Sam saying, "This is so miserably bland for the second tallest building in the city and in that cluster of what are mostly interesting architecture and uh, good-looking buildings." Someone says, I love the streetscape more. The top needs some sort of spire or something to make it stand out. It needs to give the cluster yes. a focal point. I agree. This is the tallest yes. building in the cluster. It needs something on top of it. Not just... It just looks like Bishopsgate Mark II. Bishopsgate gave... 22 Bishopsgate I'm talking about here. It's very bland and very watered down and just provides enormous amounts of office space into the city of London. I can't believe we need that much more office space. No, no one's going in the office. I think Bishopsgate is uh, <laughs> Bishopsgate's better than this, mate. I'd go out and say mm. I'd say it's much better than this. And I'm I'm not the biggest fan of that building, but it's grown on me a, a lot since seeing it in person, seeing it regularly. Yeah, I'm disappointed in this, mate. Massively, massively. I think it's a slap, slap to the face for us. You mm. know, enthusiasts and for people will have to see this day in and day out. Work near it, see it, tourists, everything. Yeah, this is a historic city centre. This is a global city, one of the most famous settlements in civilization ever. And we're, you know, throwing up this tripe. It's not good <laughs> enough. It's not good enough. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of hit and miss in the square mile for me. Like the scalpel is horrendously bad. What? Um, it, it, horrendously bad. No. Terrible building. The, the walkie talkie, I mean, good grief. What were we, what were we thinking? Oh, then you got then you got things like you got things like the NatWest Tower, the Heron Tower, um, the new Gotham City one. I, I think it's really cool. Uh, Gherkin, West. amazing Gherkin, yeah, just fantastic builders. And you know, we put like eight Bishop's Gate the other week. Is it eight Bishop's Gate or ten Bishop's Gate? That terrible eight. glass box. <laughs> yeah, eight Bishop's Gate. Yeah, yeah, just it's very hit and miss. It's very hit and miss. It's like um, like one of those compilation albums. I love it, mate. I love it. I think it's a great skyline. And it's unique. It doesn't look generic. It doesn't look like it could be anywhere in the world. It looks like London to me. It has a flavour. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Disappointed, mate. Disappointed in this one, sadly. Sort mm. it out. Who's who's mm. on this one? Who's the architect? Big, big Eric Fred? Eric Parry. Oh, come on. Eric sort Parry out, Eric. Yeah, we don't Come want to be there. their social media manager on the last week because it's been pretty, <laughs> it's been pretty rocky. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we ran some polls on it as well. I mean, the original design won every poll by a landslide. Like, 
the the huge sentiment, at least online, is the original was better. Yes. Anyway, let's see where it goes. I was determined in this episode not to have a Saudi Arabia section because we've been to Saudi Arabia a lot in recent weeks. But then Foster and Partners went and won a very good-looking airport. Now, I want to caveat this. This isn't actually a big old outrageous Saudi Arabia mega project. This is a really well-designed, really thought-out airport. It's a terminal extension to an existing airport. And I think it's a really, really good design. It doesn't scream in your face. It just feels like good architecture to me. So, as I said, Foster and Partners designed. They won an international competition with their design for it. This is uh, Abba Airport in the country's Asair region. Uh, It's village-inspired, right? So it takes inspiration from uh, nearby traditional villages and is formed from a mixture of clustered buildings and outdoor courtyards, all orientated to take advantage of the prevailing winds for natural ventilation, and it's got these big uh, sort of heavy traditional stone walls that are going to be used uh, to help cool the internal space. So it's got this lovely sort of market-style diffused lighting that comes in to manage the daylighting. I really, really like this. I think it's a very, very good bit of architecture. Um, worth saying for balance, because we do do a bit of balance on this podcast, Foster and Partners and airports have not had um, the most smoothest of histories in recent years. Foster designed some amazing airports, including uh, sorry, including Beijing Capital uh, over in Beijing a few years back, which is a beautiful, beautiful airport. Uh, but they've come under a bit of stick for signing up to climate pledges and also building and designing airports at the same time. Big old debate around this. So a lot mm. of people are lobbying for a lot of environmental groups, campaigners, and others are calling for investment in more sustainable forms of transportation than airports. And in recent years, architectures have, sorry, in recent years, architecture firms have at least tried to make the terminal buildings a lot more sustainable. So think Changi Airport in Singapore, uh, think the new the new expansion to Changi, which is being done by uh, Heatherwick Studio. There's uh, the Zurich New Airport extension by BR Kingles Group, this one in Saudi Arabia. They're at least trying to make the, the, the physical buildings, the architecture of airports, more sustainable, more low impact. But what you can't get away from is this is enabling air travel. Mm. Looks decent, mate. Looks really, really good. I like the village thing. Um, hopefully it doesn't rain because there's a lot of outdoor stuff. But I know Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah. I know it's Saudi Arabia. It does rain occasionally, doesn't it? Or do they do that fake rain stuff that they do in Dubai? Threading <laughs> like clouds or something. Whatever it's called, yeah, I think it's pretty decent. As as for the you know the foster, yeah, you know climate controversy. I don't know. I don't know. It's to me, it's like well, maybe they're waiting for there to be an alternative on planes. So it's not that airports going to be obsolete. It's that the technology will change. I don't know, but um, it doesn't. I mean, how else are you going to? travel do you know what i mean yeah i think the aviation industry is making the aviation the aviation industry is making inroads obviously long-haul flights are not as bad for the environment as short-haul flights and i think yeah france are doing stuff where they're banning internal short-haul flights and pushing more towards trains and stuff fun enough as we sit here this morning the first ever transatlantic flight powered by alternative fuels is about to take off from heathrow and fly to jfk yeah. Really? This is a Virgin Atlantic flight 
So 787 is going to be uh, flown with sustainable aviation fuels, or SAF, as they're calling it, wow. uh, which is made from a variety of sources, including crops, household waste, and cooking oils. Uh, the 787, which is a Virgin Atlantic 787, is going to have 50 tonnes of SAF on board, flying people from London to New York. Would you get on that plane? Uh, I'd, I'd get the second one. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd, get, I'd get the return New York back to London. Mate. <laughs> yeah, you go first, Fred. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Nice, nice yeah. timing, Fred. See, that lines <sighs> up with exactly what I just said. Yeah, absolutely. Trust me, Apparently, yeah. that SAF thing isn't happening though anytime soon because uh, it has to be. It's really expensive or something. So the government's actually oh. funding the flight to prove it's possible. Um, yeah. Anyway, that translates to some alleged oil companies are saying, oh, it's too expensive. <laughs> you need to keep using our fuels, allegedly. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Ha, ha, ha. Right. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Airport looks great, though, mate. And like like what you said, is it a bit annoying always having stuff from Saudi Arabia? Yeah, sometimes. But, you know, build them. Build them, Saudi. Actually, We're reporting on what's happening. Uh, yeah, they are snooze. doing, doing lots of stuff. Done Lo- lots of positive comments in this one as well. People saying awesome concept, phenomenal. Infusing local architecture into the design is the best thing about this. It looks incredible. Yeah. Uh, someone said it's going to be quite noisy. There's a lot of open air elements to this next to an airport, which will be quite noisy. But hey, it's an airport. What do you expect? Yeah. So, yeah, this is someone saying uh, the best urban design I've seen for a Saudi project. Yes, mm. I get that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I'm a fan of this one, so I, I absolutely loathe the skyscraper. We uh, not as much as Eight Bishops Gate. I really do hate that one from the other week. I, re- <laughs> I really do. Uh, but uh, this one, Saudi Arabia, one's much better. I actually saw on LinkedIn. I saw a company that were announcing they'd moved into new offices at Eight Bishops Gate, and I was like, oh dear. I hope you listen to our podcast because I am good for you, though. <laughs> good for you. Absolutely trust. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're in it, you can't see it. So yeah, there we go. Win-win. Win-win, mate. Swinging over now to the old inbox. What you got for us, Luke? Right, so a bit different this week. Uh, Fred, do you remember a few weeks ago, we did some Spotify comments from people, right? So it turns out you can comment on Spotify on podcast episodes. And we got quite a few comments on our Fred versus Luke trivia showdown episodes that, of course, Liam was absent for because he was busy gallivanting on his honeymoon. When you say um, comments, were these written by you? I, I wish, mate. I wish I had the creativity to come up with some of these, yeah? Al- we'll start with Alexander. Alexander FPK says, I am one of the four dedicated listeners, because we had a bit of banter about <laughs> just having four <laughs> listeners. And and this is where it gets a little bit tasty, right? Blake Hans says, absolutely loved the episode the overwhelming feeling I got, though, was Liam is living rent-free in Fred and Kyle's heads. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who that is, Liam? Do you know Blake? Do you know who this guy is? No, mate. No, no. Am I mean to? I don't know. What about Nick Nicholas <laughs> Sorry, Faulkner? Is that, is that a real question? <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought maybe Liam's like sent some of his mates because like half of these Blake. comments are about Liam. Nicholas Falconer says, 
episode was lacking something pivotal. Think it was n- not having Liam left a big <laughs> void. <laughs> um, Chinny said, if Fred was named Chris, y'all would be the Hemsworth brothers of construction. Love the pod, always top notch. Love get construction talking as well as a new entrant into the industry opened my eyes. Fred would be that. Nice. Fred would be that short Hemsworth that, that's a no. No, 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 no. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> what no he just said is, I'm, I'm Chris Hemsworth, and you're the little Liam Hemsworth, the, little, the smaller one. <laughs> Who's the older brother? The other, the other day they were celebrating his, the older brother. I was like, oh, mate, you are. Yeah, man. He's, yeah. in, he's in a couple of good movies. I think he's in... um couple of good movies manchester manchester <laughs> by the sea like the world's saddest movie i think i've not there. seen that is that a good he one might, he's, a, he's a pretty good actor liam hemsworth Last... was in the uh sorry oh. liam hemsworth was in no. the uh independence day remake uh the independence oh. day sequel i wouldn't yeah, say that, that, that stick to the originals man stick to chris hemsworth that's what i say the that was the dreadful best of the hemsworth brothers yeah thor yeah. It's like thor wasn't it yeah, what world absolute banger. at his peak. Yeah. <laughs> Cinema. Am I, am I lying? Robin, Robin Hood was his peak with the American oh. accent Robin Hood. Oh, done. Yeah. That was actually, I quite like that. Sorry, Marco, Marco Van Der Waal, <laughs> right? Marco Van Der Waal says, another banging quiz. Keep on with the good podcast. So that's a sweet way to end it. But two of those comments are about Liam. Fred, you and I do an episode together and people are complaining, where's Liam? Where's Liam? (laughs) Well, he didn't tap, did he? He's never here. Oh, I know, mate. So, there we go. Nice break from you two, actually. It was lovely. (laughs) Mm. It's good. I don't blame you. Nice and charged. I love how we're joking about only having four listeners and only four people have written in. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Just uh, Bluebeam, if Bluebeam are listening to this, just, we do have more than four listeners. It's like five or six, honestly. Don't worry. There was a dude the other day who commented, Cam Austin. He said, as an American, I'm fascinated by y'all's accents. Great show as always. So, I've come across, I've been to America quite a bit the last few years, and I've come across several people who use the phrase y'all, and not yeah. not in a jokey way. They're just That's just part of their vocabulary. It's no, just I know. Like, no, mm. I know. Even on an email. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool, though, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I like it. I'm like, oh, well, that's quite sweet, quite quaint, isn't it? You guys, why don't you guys um, integrate it into the podcast? Just start <laughs> using it in general speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should we do a Christmas quiz? Should we do a Christmas quiz with buzzers? Because because uh, someone said to me, like, well, actually, a couple of our fans have said to me, "What on earth are you doing? Just for goodness' sake, get on top of the quiz. It's it's like organized chaos. Just have a, we'll- have a buzzer for goodness' sake." <laughs> I will investigate. I will investigate buzzers. Yeah. And then I can add... All right. We'll, I'll, we'll talk about it, Fred. Take this we'll offline, actually. Yeah. We won't talk about it here. Yeah. yeah. But there there yeah. might. There may or may not be a Christmas quiz coming yeah. in either 2023 or 2024, yeah. guys. <laughs> Brace yourself. <laughs> Brace yourself. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> My pop shield. It's all falling apart, mate. It's all falling apart. End it there. End, End it, it there. there. Guys, don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Bluebeam. You can get a free 30-day trial over at bluebeam.com. Go and check it out. All four of you, please go and download that free trial from Bluebeam. (laughs) We'd really appreciate it. As always, guys, get your reviews coming in. Get your five-star feedback coming in. Get your emails coming in over at podcast at theb1m.com. And we're going to see you next week.
Was that right? Was it waffly? Fantastic. No one. I thought it was really just conversational, wasn't it? We were just catching up. Catching up. 